Hello, hello. Warmest welcome to Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn. And if you're here, you're here because you know, week after week on this exciting 10-part series, we bring it. We bring you excitement with information. We bring you excitement through our theme, which is about being weightless. Weightless as in weight release and weight release maintenance, weightless as in optimizing your health, well-being, and vitality, weightless as in lifting the weight of the world from your shoulders in mind, body, and spirit. And our theme today is what it means to honor the medicine of being weightless because we have what? We have my favorite obesity medicine specialist on the show as a guest today. And I cannot wait for you to meet her. I am so excited to go on this journey today. You know, I am doubly board certified in obesity medicine myself. And for me to get to talk to a colleague, especially this colleague who likes to kind of nerd out. So, you know, I'm just going to tell you all now. Get out the pens, the papers, however it is you take notes and get ready to take some notes because Dr. Sylvia and I just might have to go there. We might have to go off on one of our tangents and don't nobody know what we're talking about except for the two of us, but that's going to be all right because you are going to witness a show that is going to take you on a conversation that could change the way you approach how you live in this beautiful body temple that the God of our understanding has so masterfully created for us to do what? To carry out how we have been purposed to live in life, to order our footsteps. So I'm excited for all of the above, but wait, but wait. You know we have to have a word from our sponsors. We have to listen to that beautiful theme song by Kenny Brazil Hamilton. And right after we hear Kenny, then we'll hear a word from our sponsor. And then you will get to meet the intriguing, the compelling, the dynamic, the compassionate woman of God, my friends, my colleague, and soon to be your friends, Dr. Sylvia Bole. All right, Kenny, take us away. Take us away. Oh, I love to hear this every week. Here we go. Weightless, weightless, no matter what people say, you're full of greatness, greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous, courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces, it's amazing. Weightless, no matter what people say, you're full of greatness. It's amazing. 
Well, we are back and I'm looking forward to just having you all meet our guests. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Thank you so much to our production team. Thank you to the ancestors. Let's bring it all in, all the gratitude in. And now I want you all to sit back. You know me, I have to bring our guests on camera so that you can just gaze upon her countenance. Those of you that are listening, you also are just picking up the vibe. You're going to feel kind of a shift in energy as the room lifts up because we have Dr. Sylvia Boley in the house today. So let's just see her beautiful smile. Look at the colors. <laughs> already why we love her. We are vibrant. We are live. We are lifted. We have some royal colors of purple and yellow and green. So those of you that are, are listening with your mind's eye, just feel those colors. Feel those colors as the rest of us are lifted by these beautiful colors. I'm going to read her bio. Dr. Sylvia Goshenboli, MD, diplomat, ABOM, that's American Board of Obesity Medicine, <laughs> is a dual board certified integrative obesity specialist, best-selling author, philanthropist, and dynamic speaker. But Dr. Sylvia is more than a doctor. She's a loving woman of God, wife and mom of two rambunctious kids <laughs> who loves helping other women thrive and embrace their wellness in the midst of busyness. Eight years ago, Dr. Sylvia had achieved her dream job and family, but she was weighed down with 40 extra pounds due to perfectionism. Oh, girl, we're going to talk about that perfectionism and how that's a weight gaining factor in and of itself. People, uh-oh, uh here we go. Mm -hmm. People pleasing and emotional eating. Tell it. Diets didn't work anymore. She had to shed the emotional weight of success and prioritize herself. Today, Dr. Sylvia lives lighter in body, mind, and spirit. So you can see, she's like, right, we right in alignment there. <laughs> in 2020, she created Embrace You Weight and Wellness to empower other successful women carrying extra weight with the body, mind, and spirit with tools you need to prioritize yourself and live lighter. Welcome, Dr. Sylvia. Thank you. Thank oh, you. <laughs> my goodness. I was going to get excited right there. Ooh, people don't understand how that perfectionism will, will wreck all kind of havoc on your body, the body temple with your health. And my, but anyway. Mm -hmm. I digress. There, <laughs> we will get there. Now, I know that you're also uh, your other certification is in internal medicine, and yeah. I'm not correct on that. Now, you weren't born an obesity medicine specialist. You were not born an internist. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your journey from Sylvia to, to Dr. Sylvia. Yes. Well, thank you first of all, Dr. Carol, just for having me. You know. 
It is always a joy and an honor to share space with you. I feel lighter every time I'm in your space and in your presence. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love that theme song. Oh, those words, like in my spare time, I'm a poet. So that just the words, weightless, you're courageous. Like it's such a life-giving song. All right, but I digress. You know, let me talk about myself. <laughs> So I am born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, ATL, and um, to West African parents from Liberia, West Africa. So I'm first generation um, American. But so I really grew up with the best of both worlds. And my parents are restauranteurs foodies, my dad in particular. So I grew up loving food, loving music. My dad's also a DJ um, and always though had a strong interest in science. And so went through high school interested in science. I knew I was going to be a doctor from five, but I always had this creative side and did a lot of other things, worked for the EPA. I love nature, worked for Turner Broadcasting. So did a lot of fun things along the way, but that all solidified this love of combining my love for people and my love for science. And so that is really what drove me to become a doctor. And probably the greatest factor is just my grandma, Sylvia, who I was named after. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we talk about obesity medicine. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Oh, I, I love the story coming through about the grandmother. I also had a grandmother that I adored mm -hmm. and wasn't named after her. However, that grandmother love and that grandmother energy is so mm -hmm. magical and so special, so very special. So that's, you know, a little bit, the, you know, the journey. There's been some, you know, interesting, different stops on the career path. What were some of the challenges that you faced on your way to becoming this physician leader? Yeah, I would think I honestly like how my company is called Embrace You. It was honestly embracing myself. We talk about the perfectionism, the people pleasing. My lowest moment probably was also when I was at my heaviest, but from the outside was my most successful. I was chief resident. I had a new baby. I had a loving husband, all of those things, but I just did not feel successful and how I wore that was physically. And the problem behind it, I realized is because I was so caught up in prioritizing everybody's needs, what everybody wanted and not prioritizing myself. And um, so that, that moment when I really realized that I didn't need, I felt like a hypocrite because I was not living this healthy life that I was telling other people to live. And like, and the person I am being a child of God, he just does not let me get away with stuff. So like, I would try to counsel my patients say, are you eating healthy? And God would be like, are you eating healthy? And you know, my mouth would get quiet. <laughs> She's like, are you exercising? Are you moving your bodies? Like, are you doing that? And Clearly I wasn't doing it. And so I just really did not even, I felt like a shell of myself, right? Like in that extra weight I was carrying was almost like wearing a coat in the middle of July because it just was so uncomfortable. It wasn't me. And that was, I would honestly say that it was about eight years ago. And that was my lowest point in re and really feeling powerless to change it because I didn't have the tools. Honestly, I didn't have the tools mentally in the sense that I always was being negative to myself. And we know, and you share that too, like the words we say have power and 
even though for a little bit, like, why can't you do this? Why are you do like, even though that may give you some short term gain, long term, it was weighing me down. And so I had to change my relationship with myself, learn to really love Sylvia and embrace her, whatever size she was, whatever mistakes she made, whatever it is, like, imperfect, all the all your perfect imperfections, right? Um, John Legend says. So I had to learn to love myself in that state. And then that opened my eyes to the fact that I didn't have the right tools. In med school, we didn't learn anything really about the new science of obesity, the new science of weight loss. We were still learning calories in, calories out. And so that is what prompted me to then go and get my board certification in obesity. Med well, of course, I went to a conference and learned more about it and then get boarded and then kind of continue just staying in, immersing myself and learning more and more about the new science so that I could become a leader in the field. But it really was that that low part, that challenge was lack of knowledge and then turning that into self-blame and self-shame and really having to learn to love myself out of that and then open my eyes to the fact that, hey, it's not your fault. And you just don't have the tools. So like, let's be kind to yourself, be compassionate, and then get the tools you need so that you can actually win the game, so to speak. Oh, but you know, isn't that a common story though, right? Mm -hmm. Where one... Well, there, there's a couple of things that are coming up. Oh, whoops. So let me just, you know. <laughs> I know. I'm alive. Back here, you know, so much. So, you know, here you are, your chief resident, you know, burning the candle at, at mm -hmm. the kind of end that you could burn it. Because our stories overlap in that because mm -hmm. when I was at my heaviest, it was also when I was chief resident. <laughs> You're carrying the weight of a whole program. Like I had 150 residents underneath me. We were in a transition with program director. Like you and that is a lot of, and when you are a caring, compassionate person, and then you want to do well, you want to succeed, you kind of absorb everybody else's problems, everybody else's pain, and you start carrying that around. And if we don't have the tools to cope with that food is just so easy. Like I said, I'm a foodie, you know, and prior to having my son, I had the metabolism to keep up with my yo-yo dieting and with my sugar addiction, let's call it what it was, right? I had the tool, I had the metabolism to keep up. So I thought I was healthy. And that's, I know we're going to talk about BMI and weight later, why we can't just rely on weight, right? Because a lot of times, even though physically it's not showing up yet, if our habits aren't healthy, it just takes one trigger, which for me was pregnancy, which it is for a lot of Black women. And then that just throws us into a state where we're holding on to that toxic fat, that extra fat that we don't need. And that is, that's really what it was. It took the toxic environment of trying to carry for, uh, take care of everybody else when I really needed to release some of that responsibility, then that triggered the toxic fat kind of storing in my body as well. And so I think it's it's such a common scenario though. I see it in all so many people that I work with, and especially as black women, honestly. Absolutely. So it really, for me, it was the, again, that chief resident, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a single parent at this point. Mm -hmm. He's a senior in high school, getting ready to go off to school. At the time, his father decided I'm no longer paying for child support or college. I've got a, a resident salary. 
And even though I knew a lot about the mind-body connection, mm -hmm. at this point I was, you know, really immersing myself in the study of that. Again, it was it was all external. It was that I got to do all this for everybody out here. Mm -hmm. And I finally not only was it toxic weight gain for me, but I ended up stress-induced diabetes yeah. uh, down mm -hmm. the rabbit hole again. Something very, very common that we see in. Um, powerful women mm -hmm. we see in women with melanated skins and oh my goodness what a wake up call and yes hello for the sugar addiction <laughs> not not only when you're in that environment that high stress environment unfortunately mm -hmm. in medical school and in nursing school you don't learn a lot about food mm -hmm. and, and 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 feeding the body in such a way for mm -hmm. health to repair. Mm -hmm. and, you know, what shows up at the nurse station? Oh, those lovely donuts. Oh, the lovely um, the liquid sugar, because it's this flavored drink and that flavored drink and all this other kind of thing. And you're stressed, you have to round on patients, you got to get back and fix the schedule because so-and-so, intern, resident, whatever, can't come. And you just grab it. You just grab it. And one important thing too, Dr. Kelly, you're sleep deprived which okay. is a key we're, we're sleep deprived right and when you don't get that sleep that at least getting six hours seven to nine ideally then you're very sleep deprived raising that cortisol then your body is craving that sugar because it's trying to stay awake it's trying to fuel itself and you know those high fructose corn syrup, um, highly sugar, sugar, high sugar, high fat things. It's just the substrate that stress hormone needs to build and keep going to keep you going, keep you fueled to going in. So I think it's just the perfect storm. And that's what we see even now too, when I work with a lot of professionals, successful women, very driven women. And it's like, you know, what's this grind culture? I'll sleep when I die. <laughs> I used to say that. Horrible yeah. thing. Yeah, we it's a thing, you know, hustled now, sleep later. So all of those little phrases and hashtags. And what ends up happening is that you're not getting sleep, you're not giving your body what it needs. And then food is just the easiest thing for it to go to. And it's you're not going to be craving broccoli. You're going to be craving those high fat, high sugar things because that's what's keeping the stress cycle going. Yes. And this aspect. So we're talking about that aspect of body derangement that mm -hmm. really stems from this whole people pleaser. I'm going to fix everything and everybody but myself, which really ties into one of the areas of control yes. or weight balance. And we're talking mm -hmm. about autonomic nervous system. <laughs> so, you know, perfectionism, well, that goes with the sympathetic overtone, go, 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 drive, drive, drive. But mm -hmm. people pleasing goes with the parasympathetic, mm -hmm. which, you know, we mostly think of that, you know, that's the mm -hmm. tend and befriend, that's the rest and digest. And mm -hmm. we want to bring that into balance. But when you have both aspects of your autonomic nervous system mm -hmm. out of balance, so mm -hmm. you can have that perfectionist with the people pleaser. Yeah. And it's a perfect storm. It is, becomes the substrate for the body temple to become not so much like a temple anymore. Yeah. So tell I love that. That's tell a great example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's, you know, it's talking about, you know, okay, the nerding out on this stuff, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's let's break it down for that real quick, Doctor Carol. So, what you go ahead, break it down, break it down. Because <laughs> what I because what I just heard from what you said when you talk about the sympathetic, which is our fight or flight, you know, the system is like so you're very ramped up, and then the parasympathetic, which is what should help us relax and calm down. If that's out of whack too, there is no balance. There's just no balance in the body, and I think you're so right because having lived through that cycle, that's exactly how I felt too. And if I want to take it even a little deeper too, it's like when you're so focused on people pleasing, then you cannot be a friend to yourself. You can't please yourself. And that is really what you need to heal because that friendship with yourself, as you would say with the parasympathetic system, is what's going to say, okay, we're really stressed out right now. We're doing all this stuff is going. How can you be kind to yourself? How can you be loving to yourself as a friend? And be like, what would you tell your best friend? You tell your best friend, girl, you need to calm down. Can I help you? Can I do something? But if you're so focused on and out of alignment, doing everything for everyone else, you really can't be that friend to yourself. So I just love how you tied that in because I had never really actually thought about the parasympathetic system as that friend and befriend. And it makes so much sense when that's out of whack with people pleasing. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you. Thank But now let's get back. So you lost what, 40 plus pounds? Yeah. I gained 60 with my son. And actually some of that, I had a very traumatic end to the pregnancy and it's like, and it's taken me like seven years to actually admit that and, and have that conversation. And I think that's something that's very common. We see with black women, right? You know, it was black maternal health week was just started two years ago. And I've been helping with that and been an advocate and a champion for that. And, and part of it is because when I think back on it, like doing that work made me realize, oh, for me, it was the same thing. I was so focused on being the best worker, being the best resident, getting all my maternity leave because you know we only had like this much maternity leave so I wanted to work up to the day that I was due I think I was scheduled I believe for a c-section was I no it was this was the first one I was an emergency c-section so I was you know I wanted to work up to my deadline to my due date because I wanted to have that six weeks of maternity leave out with my baby. I wanted to have that whole time. And um, so I was ignoring the signs my body was telling me. I started gaining weight very rapidly in that last trimester. I gained five pounds a week. Um, I was exhausted. I was so tired. I could barely, very short of breath, but I still love my job. I love taking care of people. I love the responsibility, but I was so focused again on pleasing everybody, getting those metrics that I was not listening to my body. And most importantly, I missed a call from my OB guy for a week telling me that my labs were abnormal and that I actually had preeclampsia. So by the time I finally listened to my voicemail, and the only reason I listened to my voicemail, because my then best friend, we were due um, a day apart. And so she delivered on New Year's Eve and in my hospital I was working in. So I went down to see her and she was like, well, I see you tomorrow. And then I was like, of course, unless I deliver. Ha ha ha. So I get home. But something about that conversation was so weird because, you know, our lives ran in a lot of parallel at that time made me check my voicemail. And when I checked my voicemail, I realized I had missed all these calls from my doctor. And she was like, 
come in immediately. And, and then I ended up having an emergency C-section being in the hospital for an extra week. But I say all that to say like, that was the context of what probably prompted a lot of the weight gain. Now, the other part of it was my family. I have a family history of a lot of weight gain during pregnancy. It happens to every woman in my family. And I share this story for two reasons for your audience, because a lot of times one, we're carrying around trauma that we don't want to talk about and discuss. And so when I think about it now, for two years, I couldn't lose the baby weight. Like I, I jokingly say, like people talk about bouncing back, girl, I ain't bounce. I dribble, roll, and stop. <laughs> the ball did not even keep going. <laughs> like there was no bounce back. There was a little dribble. Stop. The ball just stopped there. So, but but when I think about it, part of what made it hard, yes, was the sleep deprivation. Yes, was the stress eating. Yes, was, you know, people pleasing. But it was also this trauma that I didn't want to admit that, like, girl, you could have died trying to take care of everybody else with your baby. So mm-hmm. I think part of that has been really helpful in just even releasing that 60 pounds that I gained. So I gained 60 pounds during that time. I lost about 20, let's say, water weight when I went before I went back to work. But once I got back to work, um, any weight that I had lost just kind of stayed there because part of it, too, um, honestly, looking back, I had postpartum anxiety, which is something we don't talk about. We talk about postpartum depression a lot. But um, Black women are also at higher risk for having postpartum mood disorders, and that can contribute to eating. When we're very anxious, when we're very stressed, that affects our appetite as well. And so I was eating to kind of cope with all these, these extra emotions and extra worries as well, too. So that was the two years postpartum. And then once I the light clicked, then I started my slow journey to lose weight. But I'll take a breath here for you. <laughs> Okay. okay. <laughs> you have to tell us, bring it, tell us, you know, about that slow, because so many yeah. who are listening, they want to know they're struggling. They're struggling, yeah. struggling. I hear you. So, um, so like I mentioned, when I told my story in the beginning, honestly, I have been dieting since the age of 15. My beloved grandma, Sylvia. Um, she was like the matriarch of our family, um, an entrepreneur, an educator. I see now how I take after her in many ways, very straightforward, you know, kind, but no nonsense woman of God. Like she was not the grandma baking your cookies, but she would love you to pieces and give you the right information. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but she, by the time I met her, she had um, advanced diabetes glaucoma, hypertension, and eventually had a massive stroke, and which left her bedridden and debilitated for the last seven years of her life. And of course, the doctors blame everything on her weight because she did have probably what we would consider obesity. So how, as a 15-year-old, I processed this was like, if you get fat, if you gain too much weight, you're going to get sick and you won't be able to do anything. So I had what we probably would call fat phobia. I was just so scared of gaining weight. So I would go from being a foodie where I'm overeating, overindulging. I'm girl, I'm in the South, right? And my parents are restauranteurs. So like food was our culture. But then you go, you switch to the other end where it's like, oh, if you eat too much and you notice the scale going up, then you got to stop. You got to withdraw and restrict. So did this for for many years and never really learned how to eat healthy. And so when you fast forward to my postpartum, 
when I'm now trying to figure out how do I get rid of this 40 pounds, all I know is diet culture, right? Like it's calorie counting, restricting, and it wasn't working because honestly, that is stressful. It was just adding another stressor to my already busy life. Like I'm seeing 23 patients a day, meaning like a 14 hour workday, and I'm supposed to stop and track everything I eat. So like one week of trying to food track and all of that, I felt like an absolute failure because I did none of that. <laughs> like I was not able to food track when I came home tired from work and then to a high needs two-year-old. Um, I was not able to then work out for an hour each day. And it just really made me feel like a failure. And then what happens is that negativity cycle, right? Like you're a doctor, you should know better. How'd you let this happen to yourself? Like all those negative things we say to ourselves. And really the wake up call for me was a good girlfriend was like, be nice to Sylvia. I like her. And that really shifted that paradigm where you talk about being kind to yourself and being a friend to yourself. I started to talk to myself the way I would talk to a friend and started to learn the process of being my own best friend. And I know people want you know you to start with like, yeah, I did a detox and I did a tea and I did it. But I mean, honestly, the first step is truly being kind to yourself, being a friend to yourself, loving yourself. Because honestly, there's many ways to get at losing weight. And we're going to talk about some of those. There's there's tons, honestly. But, but what matters the most is your mindset behind it. And that's why I'm like so big on it. Like I just wrote this article about Ozempic, right? People are like all talking about all these weight loss medications. I love them. I think I'm a nerd. I like the science. I'm excited to see the advancement in the field. But at the end of the day, what's going to keep the weight off and what has enabled me for going on nine years now to keep it off is this, I love myself. And I'm going to do what works best for me and the friend that I am to myself. So that's the first step that I made. Then the next step is really getting control of my stress. My stress, my stress, my stress was the root cause. You need to know what your triggers are. My triggers, I tell everybody, my triggers are sleep. Um, sleep deprivation, high stress, and cheap pizza. I jokingly say that like a cheap pizza will put the pounds on. I'll gain five pounds in one weekend just from eating some cheap pizza. So I do not go near that orange sign when I see it. But so um, so knowing your weight gain trigger. So for me, it was really getting a hold of the stress um, because I realized that at 3 p.m. every day without fail, I was ravenous. And if there was donuts, if there was chocolate cake, because y'all know the break room is the devil. I would just say that. Like the break room at your job is the devil. Like it will have, when you are trying to eat healthy, like everything that you don't need will be in the break room. There was somebody would have brought butter figures. They would have brought all kinds of stuff. So, but I realized I was very susceptible to that when I was stressed and it was always at 3 p.m. So the first thing I made was like um, a plan for that 3 p.m. dealing with my stress. And I brought healthier substitutes. So I said, okay, I know I'm going to be hungry at this time. Um, let me bring some healthier substitutes. Let me avoid that demonic break room, like the plague. I'm just totally joking. But I'm like, I'm not going near the break room. Okay. And I started like doing some deep breathing. Then the next stage after it was like, well, what are some non-food ways I can deal with my stress? So deep breathing, 
body scans, um, brief walks, gratitude moments, like, but it's a process. So it took, it took time for me to get to that. And then I became a runner. So we're going to talk about like the metabolic tools that you need. You always need something because your body wants its fat back. It thinks fat is good. I mean, it is good. Fat is good. Fat helps us in many ways. It helps us with our digestion. It helps us with our hormonal regulation. It helps us. Um, it helps us protects us. So when we're stressed, our body wants more fat because it thinks it's protecting you. So you need to be able to to tell your body that it's okay to release this weight. I love how you say release. So like I do, I use the same thing. I say release and replace or release and embrace. So you're giving this weight up, then you need to embrace some new things that are going to help you. And so my way of doing that was by running. So I gave up a lot of the stressful habits that I had. And then I became a runner, which is also what kind of helps with my metabolism. I know once I, when I cut back on my running, I'm not as lean. I get heavier very quickly, but it helps me with both my body, mind, and spirit. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. And it's interesting because some of us have a genetic propensity toward mm -hmm. easy weight gain. Yeah, for sure. We might be sisters from another mother because <laughs> I have that genetic propensity. Yes. To, you know. Mm -hmm. Come back, come back. So quick, Dr. Carol. I, yeah. you know, it, it's been nine years, so quick. Like even in the past two years, you know, it, initially in the pandemic, I was great. But then I started to slip a little bit as again, things got, the world got heavier, right? And I started focusing on things. I lost my dad during this, um, in 2020, I shifted careers. I started a practice. I wrote a book, you know, you've been with me on the journey, so you know. So, you know, and it was fine. But once I took my eyes off of like maintaining those triggers and, and really being a friend to Sylvia and nourishing Sylvia is so easy for the scale to creep back up, for that fat to come back, because it's that genetic propensity and the body wants its fat back. It thinks it's protecting you. It thinks it's helping you. So yes. what signals are you sending? Uh, you know, that's a very good point to bring to our listeners and to our viewers, is that the body is always seeking to protect itself. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't care what you look like. It just <laughs> wants the 70 to 100 trillion cells mm -hmm. that compose itself to be safe, to exist, to pass on the DNA, the genetic code, mm -hmm. the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so even with that unwanted ex excess weight, mm -hmm. even loving that and recognizing, recognizing that, you know, this is just the universe wanting mm -hmm. to protect the essence of me. Because yeah. the essence of you isn't who we look at in the mirror. Mm -hmm. not, that is not us. There is a deeper essence that goes beyond the phenotypical yes. and or the external experience. And that is the essence of God, I believe, that's alive in us. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Somehow we get mixed signals and we get confused and somehow we never get to often because of the culture that we live in, we never get to meet that person and to know that person and to understand the wonderful mechanisms mm -hmm. 
Mm. are protecting that essence. So Mm. let's talk about some of those metabolic triggers. You use that word to to release and embrace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What what is that? Take us into that journey. You've you've got a high-powered woman sitting in front of you, and she says, Dr. Sylvia, help. This is not me. Yes. Well, I love everything you just said, first of all. Um, and so I'll focus on the triggers, but I do, we'll talk a little bit about the looks because I do think in one of the best things about being a black woman, being a woman of color, um, even if you don't consider yourself black or African-American, is that usually for us, weight is not a problem. Right, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna rock whatever size, whether we're a size two or a size 302. Like we are gonna rock whatever size we're in. And so I think it's very important when we're having these discussions about weight to make sure that we're emphasizing you're beautiful at whatever size you are. You know, a lot of times they'll try to pit um, obesity specialists against the body positive movement. I consider myself a body positive obesity specialist because I believe loving yourself at whatever size you're in is foundational to making a positive change. We have to get rid of this old culture of, you know, self-hatred to make a positive change. So I'm not about that. And I love that you said that. So this is not about looks. This is really about collaborating with your body and saying, okay, at what point am I not at a weight that is helpful for me or and that I'm carrying around extra potential toxins, extra inflammation that's not going to help me. So I love that you brought that up. So, all right. So that being said, back to triggers. <laughs> um, so for the triggers, um, they, I always think about things in body, mind, spirit, honestly. Um, so what are the biological things that you can, con- and, and then I also think about what can you control and what you can't control? Because we waste a lot of time focusing on stuff we can't control. You cannot control your genetic triggers. I cannot control the fact that everybody, every woman in my family gains 60 pounds. So when I see a woman who comes before me, like, you know, and they're telling me that, okay, I am, this is not me. So first thing I'm going to look at age is an uncontrollable trigger, right? Where hormonal status. And when it comes to hormonal status, I'm looking at what I call the five Ps. So the major hormonal triggers in a woman's life where that's going to favor you to store extra body fat, because we're meant to, again, remember I told you fat has functions, is going to be puberty. It's going to be pregnancy. It's going to be um, postpartum. And postpartum, I consider um, the whole time you're breastfeeding plus Six months after that, because again, your body wants to hold on to weight. So this whole ba- that's why this bounce back culture is so toxic, especially for those of us who do not have a personal chef, a personal trainer, a personal entourage that is keeping us like, you know what I'm saying? Like the folks that are hyping up bounce back, their lives are not the same as our lives. So let's let's just be clear about that. And then um, and then perimenopausal. So once we hit that stage where you're near menopausal, knowing what stage did your mom have it? Um, did your siblings, which is something we don't talk about enough. So normalizing these conversations in families, especially back then, this is a whole nother thing. And then postmenopausal. So those are the five states that I'm looking. And then I look at conditions 
conditions like PCOS because it's so rampant and underdiagnosed. And so that those are like the five to six P's for my hormonal perspective that I'm looking at for triggers. But they're really over a hundred uh, weight gain triggers, which is why I wrote a whole chapter in my book about them, because I want people to be aware. So it could even be as simple as living in a crime prone area, living in a place without sidewalks, like working in a it working in an office building where they keep the air condition up too high. Like there's so many different things that can favor your body to store fat because, again, it's trying to protect itself or it's trying to function optimally. Surviving a pandemic. People talk about these pandemic pounds. I did a talk mm -hmm. with Dr. Barry. Like, um, it's not all because we, our pantries were full. It's honestly because this uncertainty that our bodies was like, oh, hey, let's store some extra fat because we know the world's gonna end. Yeah. Like, so I think it's those are the things that I'm looking for and seeing. And then I then how I do it is kind of create a scoring system of like, okay, what are the things that are triggering? What percentage of it is coming from your body? What percentage is coming from your mind? What percentage is coming from the spirit? And spirit for me is I'm looking at what's your connection with God, self others and nature, your environment, community, how do what's your sense of belonging? So many of us, we focus so much on building, but we were meant to belong, right? We're social beings. So do you feel, is your environment, is your places of belonging ones where you feel like you can thrive and is it nurturing you or is it adding more stress? And then charity, how are you giving back? How are you sharing with the world? Not just money, but your gifts, your passions, are you feeling fulfilled? And then what's really hard for those of us who are perfectionist people, please just, how are we receiving? Because charity also gives with receiving. We are generous when we also allow people to give to us. But so many times we want to be the giver, 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 giver. So I do all that in my assessment for weight gain triggers. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I love that you evoke the universal principle of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you have to give, but you have to receive. It's like saying breathe. Well, there is no <laughs> breathe in and breathe out, right? Yes. And a lot of us, when it comes to charity, it's like we're kind of like, <sighs> like yes. you're just giving, 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 giving. But when are you going to breathe in, sis? When are you going to let people pour back into you? And that's part of the weight that is weighing on us as well. Yes. And, and you can exist without that recipro reciprocity. Again, you know, just like there's no such thing, you can't hold your breath to death. It's a fundamental principle of nature. Mm. In, out, breathe in, breathe out. Yeah. Inhale, exhale. And I love that you do also a spiritual assessment. I love the saying, some say that between the in-breath and the out-breath, there dwells God. That's where you meet God at the top of that breath. And so you're also missing without reciprocity in life. You, you're just, you know, missing that connection with mm -hmm. God. Yes. Yes. So it's just, it's at least, you know, God sits in the pause between the in-breath and the out-breath to remind us. Mm -hmm. We know that the in-breath also reflects and stimulates the sympathetic nervous system, getting mm -hmm. that mechanism of action. Mm -hmm. And 
breath, the exhalation stimulates and resets the parasympathetic nervous system. And how important is this? Well, that autonomic nervous system is reflected in every major organ system in your body. Your eyes won't work without it. Your carotid arteries won't work without it. Your heart won't work without it. Your lungs won't work without it. Your gut won't work without it. In other words, there is no life without reciprocity. Yes. I love that. Doubt. And so, wow, the fact that you start there and you, and so what happens? Do people come at you and kind of look at you cockeyed like, well, girl, where's the pill? (laughs) (laughs) I want to lose this thing. My body and spirit. So how I have approached it is in my program. So I have, and I actually have just um, revised too, because I've been doing this two years with the Embrace You approach. Um, and and you're right. There are some people that are like, okay, this is wonderful. This is good. But I need to get this weight off and I need to get it off fast. And honestly, one of the key things that we know is that there is a different mindset for weight loss versus um just wellness and weight maintenance. And so um, it is important to be able to give people the tools you need to get it off. And so on the journey that I take people on, I have a 90 day metabolic boost and mindset breakthrough. And so I I do an assessment also for what are the metabolic tools you need. And what I mean by that is that we know while fitness, food relationships and um and also sleep improvement, stress management, what we call the lifestyle changes are foundational for any change you need to make. If we're going to talk hard and fast numbers, that it's only going to account for about two to 5% of your weight loss in most people. And especially if you're in one of these stages where you're prone to beat to your body retaining fat. So all those P's I talked about is going to be very hard for your body to release fat during that stage, right? And if let's say you're you're 250 pounds and you want to lose 50 pounds, um, if we're saying two to five percent, then that's saying that just exercise and all of those things, that's only going to cause you to lose about five to 10 pounds. So you see how it could be hard for you to get to your goal. So we know you need some additional tools. So now the tools we have in our wheelhouse as physicians and as obesity specialists, that would be um, prescriptive nutrition supplements, also known as meal replacements. So using some of the meal replacement products. Now this is challenging, was challenging for me at first because I work with a very successful program in the sense it got weight off, but I did not believe in the quality of the product. It had a lot of, um, you know, additives and artificial ingredients. And we know long-term, even though short-term that does give you benefits, long-term, those things can be inflammatory. So I really worked hard to find a product and I finally have found a product that is, I believe is clean enough and that is healthy enough to help people um, with meal replacements. So meal replacements will give you about um, 10 to 15% weight loss. Um, then, the, but if we really want it, so 10 to 15%, so if we're trying for that person with that 250 pounds and trying to lose weight, so now we've gotten you up to about 20 pounds that you could lose with the meal replacements. 
then, but the best tools that we have that are accessible are the medications, right? So there's seven FDA approved now medications that you can use. We can talk about those. I've done whole shows about them because I know people like, I don't want one of weight loss pill. Da, 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 da. So one of the key things that I do is really help people transform their mindset around it. Like you taking a weight loss pill is not cheating. It is not taking the easy way out. It's not being lazy. Like there's all this bias and stigma that people have given them. I, what I like to say is if you think about weight loss as a race where the finish line is getting to your happy, healthy weight, which is a whole concept that I help people figure out, not just like what number are you happy is that, but what number are you healthy is that, but where do you feel happy? Where do you feel comfortable in your skin? And we have to marry those two. So we figure out what's your happy, healthy weight. So if your goal is to get to that finish line, anyone who does not have their weight gain triggers activated, there is like they're starting at the starting line. But if you have weight gain triggers activated, if all of that, it's like you're starting way behind the start line and trying to catch up. So all the medications do is get you to the starting line so that it is a fair race that would like you're running with everybody else. And so that's the point that I want to make, um, that we have these tools. And I think a lot of times as Black women, we like to do things the hard way, right? Like our, we have been ancestrally conditioned to do hard things, Right. Yes, yes. Let me don't let me get like one of my favorite songs. I love teasing my sister. I probably don't, but sun up to sundown. <laughs> like, like, this is the mindset we have, right? Like, we got to keep working hard and grueling. And so, I'm like, we have these tools now. And so, I like to make sure you have the metabolic tools. And then, of course, there's the bariatric procedures, there's the endoscopic procedures. Bariatric surgery is going to be the gold standard that's going to get the most weight loss off and keep it off. But um, we have all these newer tools now, which are the medications. So that is what I would say to someone who's like, I want to get off and get off fast. Like we have to be realistic. Like, um, especially if you have lost weight and regained it at least three times, you have now set signals to your body that it was never meant to lose weight in the first place. Because remember, I told you the body's natural predisposition. Your body is a deep freezer, not an oven. That's what I like to tell people. It's meant to freeze that fat and keep it in there. It is not trying to thaw it out quickly. So like you need to make sure that you, you have given the signals, like each time you keep putting that fat back in the freezer, it's like not going to try to thaw it out the next time. So we then probably, you will need some additional support to do it. And they're like, what about Biggest Loser? What about those other shows? Yeah, you saw how much work they had to do. Now, if you are willing to live your life like that, where your whole life is about exercising. Like, for instance, I say that my metabolic tool is my running. And I know that my metabolic tool is my nutrition. And I have really like a lot of the stuff I grew up eating, all that mac and cheese, fried chicken, fufu, jello, like I don't eat all that stuff anymore, right? Like I eat completely different. I'm 50% plant-based. I really pay attention. I'm low carb most of the time. And then I try to get in at least 200 minutes of movement a week, which is what you need to maintain. So like it, in my stress lifestyle, I've changed my career. Like I've made a lot of dramatic changes. So if you're willing to do that, yes, you can probably do it with just lifestyle changes, but 
for that initial boost, if you've in those stages, you will probably need a support tool of some sort. Yes, to get you to square one. We're going to need to take mm -hmm. a pause for our yeah. but I have to pass you the heart, the crystal heart, million oh. stone there, you. because you have just dropped some gems on <laughs> us. <laughs> I hope it wasn't too much. I, I'm, you know, I'm working on that. I could, I love teaching and I love talking, so I don't want to overwhelm y'all. But I want you to have this information because an educated person is an empowered person. You need to be the expert in your own body. Dr. Carol and I, we are offering confirmation and names to what you already know. So I, my goal with Embrace You is for you to be the expert in your own body and me to just be the conduit to give you the tools you need to succeed. Absolutely. So we're going to take a pause and we'll be right back. And when we come back on the other side, we'll find out what Dr. Sylvia is up to next before we have to say goodbye, unfortunately. Well, okay. Well, wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much, sponsors. Yay. Now let's bring Dr. Sylvia on back. Hey, Dr. Sylvia, we are here. We're going to wrap up. My goodness, we have been on the metabolic triggers and uh, metabolic tools that we need to put in our kit. You've mentioned medications. You've mentioned meal replacements as a way to get some of us just up to square one so we can then begin on that journey of incorporating all those lifestyle tools to keep us in that happy, healthy, sweet spot. You know, I love how you have that conversation between, okay, the books say you should be this and you feel that you would be happy at this. And then you find that sweet spot and then you set your goals and you work from there. So tell us, we've got about three minutes. What's next for Dr. Sylvia? <laughs> well, yeah. So um, what is next? I have just been elected to the Obesity Medicine Association Board of Trustees. I'm very excited um, about Oh, thank you, Dr. Carol. Yeah, so I'm super excited about representing there on the national stage and just being a voice and a champion for Black women, um, for being people in marginalized communities, for Black people, because we are disproportionately affected by obesity. So definitely reach out for it to me if there's anything that you'd like me to pass on and share as we are developing some of our guidelines and coming up with our pro treatment protocols as well. Um, in terms of if people want to work with me, I like I mentioned, I have the Embrace You Weight and Wellness. That's my telehealth practice and coaching program. And it, I have just rolled out by the time this is being presented, I will have rolled out my 90-day metabolic boost and um, mindset mindset breakthrough journey. And so I really would look forward to helping you if you're like me, like I was a busy woman, um, successful, but feeling weighed down with success, really figure out, get very clear on what are your body, mind, spirit triggers and what are the metabolic tools that you need to not just lose the weight, but also keep it off so that you can live lighter in your body, mind, and spirit. So that's the goal. Yes. And look at this. So we want to go to www 
embraceyouweightloss.com e-m-b-r-a-c-e-w-e-i-g-h-t-l-o-s-s.com embrace you weight loss all completely spelled out for those that are listening and not viewing and reach out to my good sister friend here, Dr. Sylvia. Dr. Sylvia, thank you so much for being on the show and for just, again, those nuggets, those nuggets, those nuggets. We could probably do a whole series. Well, not probably. I know we could do a whole series like this because so much information is needed. And thank you so much. I have to pass the heart again for, for being the change you want to see in the world. And that is always my call to action invitation at every show to encourage all of us to order our footsteps there. They've already been ordered for us Mm -hmm. to show up in our purpose and lives, our gifts and our passion equal our purpose and to be the change we want to see in the world. So thank you for being that. I hope you'll come back. Anytime, Dr. Carol. You know, I'll open my schedule for you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and your audience. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to ask you to hang out, meet me backstage in the green room, and I'm going to have Kenny Brazil Hamilton play us out. Yes, I love week. it. <laughs> I love greatness, it. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing